I'm Ingrid Busson-Hall. And I'm Kathleen Merrigan. Welcome to This Is My Silver Lining, the show where we pull together the strongest threads of our humanity, courage, kindness, compassion, and gratitude. Our guests explore their toughest moments and how rising to the challenges led them to discover unexpected opportunities, connection, and community. Today, we're thrilled to speak with Nick Priest, a young man who turned his personal experience of loss into a nonprofit that provides children suffering from cancer and other serious illnesses with a much-needed outlet for fun and connection. Nick, thanks so much for joining us. Why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself, where you live, where you go to school, and some of your background. Hi, I'm Nick Priest. I just turned 18. I live in Wilmington, Delaware. I go to an all-boys Catholic high school called Salesiano School. I've got a big family. We're blended. So I've got my mom and my brother and my stepdad and my two stepsisters. And all four of us siblings, very close in age. There's a period of time when all the birthdays line up that we are like 14, 15, 16, 17. So you can imagine fun for my parents. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, so I started... Nick's power of play, that's a big part of my, um, like, who I am. It's a big part of my life. I did it to play. Like, I, I always wanted to help people, and I'm not sure. Um, before, like, I wasn't sure how I wanted to do it, and I kind of stumbled upon this, and I'll get into that more later. I played football my entire life. Up until this year, I was the football manager because I wanted to spend more time with my nonprofit and not be so exhausted after practice and be able to actually work on stuff. So when I was little, my father, Joe Priest, we always played video games together. It was just like your typical, like we were in the finished basement, like down there right after dinner. And I was like three years old. And sometimes it would just be me watching him play, but we'd be together. And the whole thing was like, we'd play video games together. He was my partner. He was, he taught me how to play video games, Mario, Zelda, all of like the Lego games, like Lego Batman, Indiana Jones, like that's what we stuck to. It was mostly Mario though, like any variation of Mario. I mean, he was a pretty big nerd back in the day. So he kind of like put that into me a little bit. But yeah, so we always played video games and he got cancer. It was called stage zero oral cancer on his tongue when I was around three years old. So it was, you know, stage zero like completely survivable, not a big deal, but eventually it had spread to his lymph nodes. And then with cancer, that is kind of the, like the worst, one of the worst situations. So it became like an aggressive form of head and neck cancer in his neck mostly, but he still always tried to play video games with me. Our relationship didn't change that much until he started like decreasing in health because it was a longer process. I mean, he was diagnosed when I was three and he passed when I was six. So it was a longer process. It wasn't just like a, oh, he passes away really quickly thing. It was like, you know, he had steps. You were so young at that time. Were you aware of how sick he was or, or was that? Yeah. My mom did a really good job with like explaining it to me and my younger brother. I mean, my brother was it's actually kind of, it's not funny, but like my mom and dad were in the hospital at the same time. Right when my dad was diagnosed, my mom had my brother. Oh that my was gosh. What she, so that is around the time. So he didn't really get to create like a relationship with him as much as like mm-hmm. I still have memories of my dad. But yeah, so 
my mom did a pretty good job early on, just like explaining to us like like heaven. And it's like really good. And as as well as a mom can do it, because there was a certain point where it was like at the beginning it wasn't as dire, but then you know they had to start preparing, and they she prepared us very well. I mean, probably for well over a year she was preparing us for it. So it was like I don't want to say we were like ready because right, of be course, but we were much better off than we would have been if she didn't yeah. say anything. And she's she's a very honest person. Like you ask her a question, she's going to give you the answer and like terms that you can understand and from a young age I always asked a lot of questions uh-huh. so a lot of it was just like yeah. me asking questions about it like his diagnosis and stuff and like it was pretty funny at such a young age like you know it's he looked pretty bad that's the best way I can say it like he yeah. did look pretty bad later on mm-hmm. but I was so accustomed to it I was like that's just my dad like when I had like a school it was like a little school play when I was in six years old and he had to come in. This was one of this was towards the end of his life. He had to come in, in a wheelchair, and he had all these like, I don't like sores on him from the chemo and stuff. Oh. But like, it was just like that's my dad. Like, I he had like a, a gaping hole in his neck from the cancer, and it was like it was normal to me. And I don't want to say normal, but it kind of was. It was like you know, for the majority of my young childhood, he was sick. Like half of my time with him, he was sick. Mm-hmm. So it just became like that's just dad. It you didn't know, matter to you. Yeah, he he, no. he was your dad, and that's all that mattered. Yeah. yeah. And it's still, like, obviously it was terrible when he passed away. But going back to the original question, like, I felt pretty, like, I don't want to say I was okay with it. I don't really know how to explain it. Like, I understood at a young age, which, like, you wouldn't expect a six-year-old to understand. But, like, I don't know. I felt like I grew up a little quicker because of it, too. But, like, you know, I just got that, like, okay, like, now we got to, like, go on with life in a way. Mm-hmm. And it stinks. But, like, you know, I had a younger brother and I had to be there for him, too. So it becomes your normal, right? Like, everybody's, yeah. you know, not to bring it into, not to make everything about the pandemic, but the pandemic sort of has rocked everybody's world in one way or another. Yeah. And for so many months, I think everybody was like, oh, let's get back to normal. Let's get back to normal. And like normal is where you find yourself at some level, right? It sounds like your mom did a lot to, and your dad probably to make Mm -hmm. it as, as good of a really unfortunate normal. Right. They explain everything in like terms that we can understand. And like, they didn't want to make it seem scary either. It was like, you know, this is something that sticks and that's there's no other way around it but it's just like we're gonna deal with this together as a family and we're gonna be okay and that Mm -hmm. is kind of what they always said and that's kind of what i live by now i mean it's hard because like i've had some pretty like traumatic experiences so now i feel like you know when something bad happens like yeah it it could be worse (laughs) well i think that's a healthy uh, outlook to have i really do well i guess going back to nick's power of play you know how did your experience inspire you to start next power of play. So when he was sick, I always wanted to be an oncologist and, you know, that was my goal all through grade school. It's like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to cure cancer, which I feel like every kid that has a parent that had cancer at one point or another is had thought that. And, you know, I was like, Oh, this would be great until I took my first high school science classes. And I was like, this is great. 
ever going to happen. Biology on its own is like the easy one. Like, no. And then, and then chemistry comes, like, this dude is dead. Um, but, and although, like, I'm, you know, joking a little, I realized, like, I was never going to be a doctor. And it kind of led me to being like, well, how am I going to help people then? Because I've always wanted to help people. I thought that my entire life, that was how I was going to help people. And I realized like freshman year, I was like, yeah, it's not going to be how I help people. Like I, I, you know, it's not what I'm personally good at. So I started brainstorming. It was like the end of freshman year. I was like, how can I do this? And, you know, I wanted it to be related to my dad in some shape or form, because that is what I wanted it to be my entire life. I mean, oncologist because my dad had cancer. So I was like, okay, let's figure this out. So I sat down and I kid you not, it was the first idea I thought of was like, what if I played video games with kids with cancer? I thought of it, it was my first idea. And I was like, okay, let's kind of roll with it and see where it goes. Instead of like, you know, creating like a list of 15 ideas, I was like, this actually like sounds pretty neat. I just want to like explore it a little more. If it doesn't work, go back to the drawing board because it was still early on. And yeah, so the video game portion is because I played video games with my dad. And I lost my video game partner when he passed away. So I didn't really, and it's kind of grown into this more, but I never wanted another kid to lose their video game partner. Mm-hmm. So that was the main reason. And, you know, the just wanting to, like, it's also really, like, cool for me, too. I feel like that, you know, it's like, oh, we're helping the kids. But it's like, it's been life-changing to, like, get a different perspective of my own and, like, kind of relate to kids in a way just like being there for someone helps. I don't want to say as much as like the other kid is, but like, you know, but by giving you yes. that, right. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how I want to hear, obviously, I mean, that's really like the crux of what we're interested in, but I would love to have you tell us more about how the organization works before we get into that. Yeah. So Nick's Power of Play is what it's grown into. And I want to first start and say, this is not where I want to end. I still want to grow it as much more as possible and hopefully make it my job one day full time if it grows as much as I think it can. Because I really like the idea. And I think it is, I think it's worth going into college and still pursuing. Um, So I wanted to start with that. So there's three different branches to my organization. And I'm only able to do two currently. The first one was the original idea. And you'll see how Next Power Play kind of morphed because of COVID. So it was going to be in-hospital gaming with kids with childhood illnesses. I eventually, so originally, actually, originally, originally, I was going to play video games with kids with just cancer. And I realized like that I don't want to exclude anybody. Like I wouldn't, there's no reason to. If someone is sick, they should be able to play. And I've also expanded to siblings of those kids and if someone's parent is sick, they can play too, like my exact situation. So far, we've only actually worked with sick kids, but because it's been very hard in hospitals, there's a lot of like hoops that I have to like jump through and rightfully so, just make sure everything's been safe. But I've only had like a few in hospital sessions, which have actually been really, really good. I've had like three or four now, but it took over a year to do. And it was like very trying. It was like, okay, I, I, pu- I push a little and get pushed right back. And I'm like, all right, well, what can we do here? What were the issues that were coming up? So in hospital Wi-Fi, and then this kind of leads me into my main branch right now. It, I, uh, I talked with a little girl that had cancer. She was cleared then, but it was the beginning of COVID 
when I realized like, well, I'm not going to be able to go into hospitals anymore because it was like March of like late March, 2020. So I'm like, well, the whole world just shut down and I just had my first in hospital visit. So it was like, and like, you know, of course makes the story better though. Yes. (laughs) But I talked to her and, you know, pretty much what she said was, and this was in like little kid words, but it was like, she couldn't, play with anybody that was going through a similar thing to her. She was very isolated, especially during COVID, very isolated. And that was like terrible. And she didn't get to meet anybody that was like going through a similar situation until after COVID ended. Or I'm sorry, after her treatment ended, COVID still hasn't ended. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But after her treatment was when she was finally able to interact with kids that had like very similar like diagnoses and stuff. And that was a common theme within the hospital from the more I talked with the hospital worker that I've been working with. So I was like, okay, let me try to fix that problem. Well, that's kind of what I morphed into a way. And I thought like I was morphing, but I realized now it's just three different branches of it. But that was my main focus. Like, okay, well, I got to figure out a way for these kids to be able to play with one another. And I didn't know how I was going to do that. So I started reaching out to my, it was my local hospital. Pont Children's Hospital. They're a pretty big children's hospital in the United States. So it was like a good place, I figured, to find kids. But I knew going through this, I was like, I there is gonna be kids that like need this. And maybe not need, but like could really use this. And I wanted to be able to find them. So I started working and it was a bunch of one-on-one calls and it was just like troubleshooting and trying to think and brainstorm an idea that would be like that would work one of the hospital uh, the face the challenges we faced in the hospital was that the kids can't be on the same wi-fi together so everything they do is offline on like the video game systems so everything's single player so you're already like in a hole it's like okay well <laughs> how are we gonna play if we aren't together online but a compromise that we found was, so I use a platform called Discord. It's very commonly used in the gaming community. It's very private, secure, and it's like trusted among like a lot of people. So that is what we, that was the original idea. It was like, okay, we're going to use Discord. We're going to make these secure rooms. And we're going to figure it out from there. And can I just ask, how, the, how does that work? So the one volunteer and then the idea is the one volunteer and then the one patient and that's it? in the room or in the so the room is so you're what you're saying is actually pretty related to the buddy system which is the third branch Ah, but so in in hospital in hospital it's a bunch of so as of right now because i've only had a few but i'll use the one the biggest session i had as an example i joined online and two other the hospital had two ipads that joined or three ipads and each kid had an ipad so it was three kids me and then they had two hospital volunteers that would like walk in and out of rooms just to make sure everything was okay. But some other challenge, so that so it's like them playing together. And then you play against them as well. So it's more just you're on there to talk. That is the only alternative I can find. Is like everyone plays their own game, but you are able to have that connection, which is truly what Next Product Play was all about. I mean, it was never truly just like video games. It's it's always been around like having another person in your times of need. So originally I was upset. I was like, okay, I'm not even going to be able to play with these kids. They're not going to be able to play with each other. Like what is, 
you know, it was like, ah, nothing's working. But um, it's pretty cool. It reminds me actually of how me and my friends play. Like we don't all play the same thing, but there can be like 13 of us in yeah. the party. Yeah, I know. I hear that with my son all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like there's 13 people in my basement, yeah. but there are not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably, uh, I probably do the same thing. So. <laughs> but it, it sounds like, I mean, you thought of it one way and circumstances have shifted. Some of them COVID related, but Others really practical, right? Like remove COVID, you'd still have these challenges. I mean, you're pretty nimble in troubleshooting, right? And so then tell us about the buddy system. Okay, so that's the third. So eventually I want to get back in the hospital. So those are the first two branches. The third branch is the buddy system. And this is the one that I'm facing. I don't want to say the most problems with, but it's like, it's the hardest to get kids. And I'll kind of explain that right now. So it's a one-on-one system of gaming. So a parent of a kid, and they don't have to be in a hospital. This is at home, and it's through me. It's not through a hospital. So there's not all of the same regulations, and thus we're actually, the buddy and the person, the volunteer, are actually able to play together. So it's, it's more what I intended for the hospital to be, but it still works. The hospital still works, and this works in a different way. Like It, it just is like an extra thing that um, we're able to do. So it's all through, uh, I, the parent would reach out to me and we've only, I only have like, there's four total buddies in the system right now. We're really trying to gain more, but the parent reaches out to me and I've got like a a list of volunteers, like 20 or 30 that are like, like flowing, like they really want to do this, but I just, the kids, it's hard for parents to get like, to know about it. And, you know, the kid has to also be interested, too. Not everyone, there's, like, some introverted people. Like, you know, you might not want to play with somebody else. That's fine. So I am in contact with the parent one-on-one, and I'm like, I have this volunteer, and I give him a little bit of a rundown. I'm like, this is Jack. He's been my best friend my entire life. I trust him with everything. And then I give the contact, Jack's contact to the parent, let's say the, the mom, and Jack and the mom talk about, like, what the boundaries are. It's different with every kid. It's like, well, okay. With my personal buddy, his name's Svee, I can just text him whenever I want. And I'm like, yo, you want to play tonight? And he's like, yeah. And then we just get on, we play for an hour. And I'm like, all right, like, we'll set this up again soon. But some parents aren't that easygoing. And completely understood everyone, parents, how they want to parent. And there's no judgment at all. It's easier with the one-on-one communication with the kid, with the buddy. But it's not like that much harder to talk to their parent about setting right, it up. Right. Um, so that is pretty much the volunteer. So it's out of my hands at that point, unless it's like my buddy. The other three, they communicate one-on-one with the parent or the kid and they set up time to play and they play. And it's like, it's all through them. It's not through, I mean, it's through Nick's power of play, the buddy system, but it's not through me. I have like, I'm not like making sure that they're emailing and like, all right, we'll send them a text so you can play tonight. Like they do it on their own because, and I thought at first I was going to have to be on everyone, like, please, like, please text. But it's like, it's awesome for the volunteer as well. And it's, like, it's a cool thing. It's different than playing with your own, like, friends, like, my age, right? Because, like, you know, talk about different things. So with my buddies, we just, like, goof off. But, like, you actually gain, like, a real connection with somebody else on, like, with Sfi. Like, I love Svi. Like, it's, and I didn't know I'd get that from this at first because he was the first buddy ever in the buddy system. And it's like, it's just awesome. Like, me, I love playing with him. He loves playing with me. And it's just like, 
it's changed my life. And what lessons have you learned from the the kids, the buddies? I mean, I'm sure you've heard so many stories from them and, yeah. and you know, from their experience with the program yeah. and their, their experience with their health issues. What have you learned through them? It makes me feel really lucky. Like I've, I've hit the lottery in a way where I kind of just take a step back and I'm like, I have everything going for me. Like I did experience strategy early on in my life, but that shaped me to be the person I am right now. And it's like, it actually drives me more. It's like, I want to reach out to as many kids as I can. Like I want everybody to be able to play and have somebody. But yeah, I feel extremely privileged and lucky and you know, it's just because I'm not sick and I'm not dealing with that in my family. And it's just like, you don't think about it every day. Like every day I don't wake up and I'm like, thank God I'm not sick. And I should. But we don't. Right. We just, you take it for granted and, and it's, but it sounds like you have a better hold on that than I think a lot of people do and, and, or have that feeling of gratitude is, is more front of mind than it is for most people. Yeah. Like even like, you know, when I get like a bad grade on the test, I'm like, yeah, everything sucks. Like, oh my God. And I'm like, well, hold on. Like, and this goes back to the thing when I said earlier, it's like, it could be worse. Right. Perspective. Yeah. It kind of keeps me level headed. And I'm, I can't be like that with everything. Like if I fail five tests in a row, then it's like, okay, well, we need to- <laughs> <laughs> your mom might have something to say about that. Right. <laughs> she has a different perspective. <laughs> yeah individually it's just like yeah it it puts everything into perspective and i just kind of look at it from a different view and i'm like okay i'm 18 i did badly on a calc test i'm going to be fine like you're going to move on and fix it because it's a small problem and that's how it goes these kids like they're dealing with something harder than i like will probably ever have to deal with in my life hopefully right i mean and that's, it's terrible. And they're so young. It's like, I just remember, I try to remember myself at like 10, 11, 12. That's like, I can't even imagine. Like they don't, it's not like a normal experience that anybody should have to go through. And it's really like, it's upsetting that it even happens. But that is, again, that it reinforces like why I'm here. It's like, I'm, I, I can't cure. This is one of my, my original things is I can't cure any illness, but I can try to make you forget about it for 30 minutes. Yeah. And had it not been for the experience you went through, you might not have been inspired to do this, right? Yeah. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have. So if you think about like what's next for Nick's power of play and what your, you know, what your bigger vision is, because there's a lot of potential there, right? There are unfortunately so many kids who really need this, who are so isolated and and suffering and no doubt this brings them so much joy yeah so i want to make it my job one day and i said that earlier but i really think i'm going to be able to expand it further and look my mom is a lawyer and they are they have a part of their firm that like deals with nonprofit, like and video games so it's like i've been working closely with them and they created like a template for me because they wanted like they wanted a template for themselves for similar projects to this and they wanted they didn't mind because they wanted to it was like they they were intrigued but yeah that is the goal is to expand to as many hospitals as i can and i don't have all the fine details laid out yet because 
eventually I want each hospital to be able to take it on their own and use like my platform, like the discord to be able to join and have in hospital volunteers do it that way. I don't have to join everywhere because I just won't be able to with like time constraints. And I've also grown very close with AI that I have a lot of trust there and it'll be hard for me to gain that trust in like a hundred different hospitals. So it'll be through these other like legal measures because I didn't do any of that with AI. I was like, well, I'm 15. Show up with your uh, gaming system. <laughs> it was my first hospital I ever worked with. And, you know, I figured out what worked, what didn't work. And going forward, like when I go to my second hospital, I know what works and what doesn't work. Yep. And I'll try to do all the stuff that worked and I'll undoubtedly find other things that don't work. Exactly. And I'll just make a list of things that you should not do <laughs> and things that don't work. Well, at least you're starting at such a young age that you'll you'll have this down pat. Right. Before you even graduate from college, most likely. Right. So that's what the Nick's gaming, like the, the sessions in the hospital with the buddy system. I originally was reaching out to a lot of my high school friends and was like trying to recruit volunteers and doing whatever I could to find buddies. But I realized after talking with the founder of the Be Positive organization, because they have a lot of ties, that's a, they raise a lot of money for children with cancer. They have a lot of ties to my grade school and my high school. He went to both, um, Andrew McDonough's his name. He went to both schools. He said that they had done a similar thing. And you really got to find the right people is kind of what he left me with. And I was like, okay, well, I have to think about this more because I don't want to just choose people in their senior year of high school. They'll create this great bond with an 11-year-old kid and go to college and forget all about it. Honestly, Nick, that's super insightful of you to be focused on that, right? Like, and to know that that's like a potential problem and head that one off. Because we are talking about connection, right? And and for a population that is like by definition vulnerable and you wouldn't want to like pull away more support than, than they already have. So maybe we can talk a little bit more about like a couple of gaming specific questions because we're just curious and we feel like we have to ask Mm -hmm. and super curious on your thoughts. So, I mean, at some level, gaming gets a bad rap, right? Yeah. In like, you know, the news, it's never like a really good thing when they bring up video games yeah like it's either the focus is like it's a waste of time or it's actually bad for mental health or kids are spending too much time there's a lot of violence Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like some negative elements in at least some of the games out there right right a hundred percent you're taking like a, a really a view of it that it's really actually quite healthy and an important mm-hmm. source of connection between people rather than focusing on the negative side. What what do you think is like really special? Like what's the good news story about gaming that people miss? It's kind of therapeutic if you do it correctly. Like if I ever having a really bad day, I'll just like get on. I don't even need to talk to anybody else sometimes. Just get on. It's kind of just like, okay, I take a step away from all my homework and like the stress of like Nick Power Play, like it is stressful sometimes. I just I, I just hop on, I play a game of Madden, you know. I just clear my head a little, and I'm like, okay, my focus is on this for the next 25 minutes, and then I can go back to my life right afterwards. But I definitely i I don't want to 100 percent disagree with people saying like it could be a bad thing. I mean, everything in moderation is good, in my opinion. 
not everything, but you know, and the, the saying, you want things in moderation. Like, have I gained for six hours in a row until like 4 a.m.? Yes. And I don't suggest it. Like, it's not an absolute thing. Thank you, Nick, for following it up with <laughs> not suggesting that. Even Nick right. doesn't suggest that, Connor. I'm saying to my 15 year old. <laughs> but I've done it. And I've been there. And it, it is fun because you are having, usually when you're up that late, it is like because you're connecting with somebody or a group of people. And it's more about that than the game ever is. Cause you create, I mean, some of the best memories I've created are at when I'm like whispering at three in the morning, hoping I don't get in trouble. <laughs> Mom, if you're listening, <laughs> she knows I'm not quiet. Um, <laughs> I'm the loudest person you'll ever meet. You walk into the, I walk into like a house. I'm like, oh, Nick's here. It's the guy. (laughs) Nick, I mean, just talking to you, you have such an amazing perspective for an 18 year old. I'm just curious, as a mom, who? uh, (laughs) So I'm not teeing it up here for your answer, (laughs) but and I know that you know losing your father was such a tragic experience. But who have been your real your role models? in your life that have kind of clearly someone has taught you so, so many great lessons and so much about being resilient and, and helping others. And I'd love to hear more about who your role models are. Yeah. So first, obviously my mom, (laughs) she's very much my best. I mean, it's, it's the only right answer. Um, Absolutely. (laughs) I consider her to be like my best friend in the whole world. I've always had a very close connection with my mom especially from a young age. I mean, you know, I was always like a mama's boy. Whenever she'd leave the house, leave me with dad, I would scream and cry. (laughs) Terrible. But I was definitely, I had to be around my mom at all times. And when my dad passed away, it only, she was a, she was both parents. She was the support for both my brother and I as a single mom. And she did an awesome job. She is I mean, my hero too. I mean, she's everything a mom should be. She's kind. She's always been there for me, always on my side. I could be wrong. I could be dead wrong. And she'll be like, all right, well, we're going to figure out how to make you right. Like, (laughs) you know, if there's ever a conflict, she's always going to be on my side. And I can always trust her with that. There's nothing I can't tell her. We've created that throughout my life. It's just been like, look, I'm not going to be happy with you about certain things, but you come to me, you tell me the truth. It'll be a lot better in the end. And it always is. I mean, it's, it's created that open communication. It's not only that I'm like, she's my best friend. Like she also like can confide in me too about certain things, like to a point where it's like, it does go both ways. And that has like strengthened our relationship, but she's also one of the smartest people you'll ever meet. I mean, she's a lawyer, corporate lawyer, and I'm like, of course, I would be biased because she's my mom anyways, but I truly believe I have the best mom in the world. I mean, she's always been there for me and every single time I've needed her. And how how has she taught you about resilience and about, you know, it, was it after your dad died? Did she teach you about resilience in such like an obvious way or was it just leading by example in kind of carrying on and continuing on with life? Is that a lesson that she that you think she's helped you with? Something she helped me with, and it's really been helpful, especially as a teenage boy, because I don't feel like it gets talked about enough. She has made me be really in tune with my emotions. And a lot of teenage boys aren't because they haven't gone through it or 
it hasn't been harped down so much, but she's like, she's always been like an emotional person and it's not, she was never like a, your boy don't cry. That was never her thing. It was like, if you have to cry, just cry because it's much better to get it out and talk about it than um, keep it inside and hold it because it gets worse. But if you let it out, you can move forward and it's easier to when the weight is lifted off your shoulders. That is a huge, I mean, it's a huge part of who I am because I feel like it's made me more, like I'm not holding a ton of, like what you're getting me for me right now is a hundred percent true me. Uh, I'm not holding anything like down. Like it's, it's just, yeah. So, but with resilience, that's what a big factor, just like being able to be in tune with your emotions has been, it helps a lot. I just, just the way she parented, it was always like, I'm trying to put it into words. Yeah, no. And it's, it's, it's okay. How does she feel about um, Nick's power of play? She's loved it since the beginning. Uh, she always thought it was a very good idea and she's been like very helpful with it. If I ever need help, uh, you know, like for the stuff on my website, you know, she proofread everything. Um, but like very helpful. If I ever like talked to her about something like my plans going forward, she always wants to listen because she's excited too. She thinks that she's the one that originally told me this could be my job growing up. And that I was like, really? I was like, really? <laughs> and she's like, yeah. I mean, if you keep doing it and you actually care about it, which she knows I do, she's like, why, why not? And I, it, that kind of like switched gears for me in a way. I was like, Oh, okay. Like, this is really long, long term. Okay. Like, and it like, it actually took a lot of stress off of me because I don't know what I was for the first year. It was like, I don't want to say it was like a project that I was like, you know, I want to get it to a certain point. But now I realize that I feel like it's just going to grow and grow and grow. And I won't ever be like a, like a, like this is where we need to be. And we'll just stay there because there's always going to be more people to help, which is kind of what she told me too. It's like, well, you don't want to just stay Delaware, do you? I was like, not really. Like I want to go try that area. And then, you know, if it goes try that area, then we can grow even further. And that's kind of what she told me too. It's like, she's one of the most like, if you believe it, you can do it. Type yeah. Of people. Yeah. It sounds like, speak. well, I'm sure she's very pragmatic as an attorney and realistic about things, but it sounds like she's right. just encouraging you to follow your passion yeah. you know, and something that you're really interested in, which is, it's, it's fantastic. And yeah. you have realized something at 18, which frankly, most people don't ever come to, which is, it's more about, the path that you're on and the process rather than some like end goal. I mean, it's totally good to have a North star and things that like you focus on, but knowing that things change and things evolve and you thought it was going to look like one thing, but then, you know, the universe hits you with a pandemic. So you got to shift gears. Right. So that, Frankly, like to know that so early on is pretty awesome. I wonder if I could ask you this question. And it's one we've, you know, struggled with a little bit overall for our podcast, but especially given your life circumstance, Nick, and what brought you here, which is, you know, our podcast focuses on silver linings and people who've found the bright spots in the adversity that they've had to work through and losing your dad at such a young age, no doubt has, I mean, it's not the only thing that has shaped you. So many things have shaped you, notably your mom, obviously, but that's a moment in time that 
you know, affects so many other things. You'd obviously never wish for that to happen. But when you hear silver linings, like, or always look for the silver lining, what do those words mean to you? It's finding a good thing in a bad situation is immediately what I think of. Because there always is. And it could be small and insignificant, but there's always something. You have to look for it, though. It's not always clear. But if you look for it, you will find it 99% of the time. But even with like like COVID, there has been silver linings. And one was that, like one with COVID that related to my nonprofit is like, I never would have thought to go online this early. I would have been in hospital playing with whatever kids were there, but not really being able to expand. I wouldn't have any avenue of doing it, like no long-term plan either. COVID made me think outside the box. I couldn't give up. Even I did want to. That is something I like. When COVID hit, I was like, are you kidding? Like, like I heard my first session two weeks ago and the world shuts down. And what are the chances? But it made me think. And it made me, I mean, we were all bored. Every single person was. So all I had to do was, oh, I was doing a lot of video games, a lot of thinking. Because I didn't want Next Power Play to die. I didn't know it would transform into this new idea. So the online platform, which is the only like the only current platform, the online platforms, for me personally, it has, you know, created a different avenue that I'm going to be taking with my life. Which is like I feel like a lot of people can say that for different reasons. Some negative, some could be positive, but mine's extremely positive. Like it made me go online. And it made me like look to expand. And now I feel like expansion is an option and not only an option, but eventually like what's going to happen. It's just part of the plan. I feel so lucky to have had this hour with you. And I feel like we're in 10, 15 years. We're going to look back and be like, can you believe we talked to him? (laughs) He's 18. (laughs) So really, I I mean, your potential is just so clear. It's really just so, it's so refreshing and you're inspiring. So thank you so much. Well, thank you too. I was looking forward to this all day. Like I said, like it was, it, this is one of the cooler things I've ever done. Like a full, like sit down, like a bunch of questions get asked, interview type thing. And it, I really enjoy this. I like talking as you well, probably can both feel. <laughs> so do we. That's how we got yeah. into this. <laughs> um, but this has been awesome for me too. And I really appreciate you guys both having me on. Nick, you're doing such amazing work. Keep with it. And we support you. And anything we can do to help, like, let us know. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you both, too. Thanks so much, Nick. That was so good. (laughs) Ingrid, what an amazing kid. 18 years old. Uh, He has a better... I mean... I am trying every day to get some pointers because clearly she's got the right formula. Seriously. So, so impressive and just so much humility and so much grounding. um, Yeah. Gratitude and awareness of the world, really. Like, you know, you see just seeing someone that's so focused on helping others and aware of how very empathetic, I think is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And listen, I mean, I hope he takes time to like do 
normal teenage stuff. And he has such a refreshing perspective. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he has a lot to teach people at any age, right? Like that part about understanding that it's not about that end point. It's really about enjoying the ride and adjusting as things, you know, change underfoot. I really wish I had known that at 18. I know. He said also, you know, I mean, this whole thing is about, right? Like the idea is gaming and that's obviously the, the general concept, but he literally said, it's not about the video games. It's about communication and having a line of communication with someone who really needs it. And yeah, it makes me feel so good. And it gives me hope when I hear that, you know, to hear young people that have that same vision, it's really unbelievable. And yeah, especially now, right. When we know that we need more human connection, Mm -hmm. quality human connection where, you know, we can be kind and generous and grateful. Yeah. And I love that, you know, I think before we spoke with Nick, when you and I were talking, how we were a little bit, you know, we were wondering sort of what would happen once he went to college or what his intention was for once he went to college, would he really want to keep doing this? But it's just so clear that this is a huge priority for him. Yeah. So, and that's exciting as well. I feel really good about the potential here. I think that even if it's not exactly this, I, I just feel that he's going to find a way to make the world a better place no and he'll be very successful in whatever, whatever he decides to do. All right, Kathleen, that's a wrap for this episode of Timsel. Thanks so much. This was awesome. Thank you. Until next time, keep finding those silver linings. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to This Is My Silver Lining with us, your hosts, Ingrid Busson-Hall and Kathleen Merrigan. This show is edited and produced by the amazing John Core at Wayfair Recordings. And our original show art is by Alyssa Love. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you love hearing these inspirational stories, please follow, rate, and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please join us again next week when we'll be back with a new episode. We're always looking for silver linings. So if you have one you'd like to share, let us know. You can always find us on Instagram or on our website, thisismysilverlining.com. Be sure to check out the links and resources in our show notes. Have a great week. And until next time, keep finding those silver linings.